episode of the Classic Pickup Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Whips, and I hope you enjoy this episode. This podcast is sponsored by Classic Pickup Supplies, your number one Ford and Chev pickup parts supplier. Mention Classic Truck for a 10% discount off your first order. Classic Pickup Supplies, located in Coolum Beach, Queensland. Call 07 5446 2667. Or visit their website, www.classicpickupsupplies.com.au. Classic Pickup Supplies, dedicated to the restoration and preservation of the pickup. Episode 26. This week, I caught up with Muhammad. Muhammad has a 59 Chevy Stepside Apache. And his story is really interesting for us to listen to because he lives in the Middle East. So, Muhammad lives in Muscat in Oman. Now, this is right next to the United Arab Emirates. If you have any idea where Dubai is, uh, it's just south of Dubai. Uh, Oman sits sort of on the coast on the Gulf of Oman and uh, on the Arabian Sea. And the countries that are adjacent to that is is Yemen and Saudi Arabia. So if you can imagine living in the Middle East trying to restore a a classic American pickup, you can't just head up to classic pickup supplies in Fulham Beach, our great title sponsor, and, and grab a few parts you need. So his life's a lot more difficult and also the rules and the laws. So this was a really cool interview. I, I really enjoyed chatting to Muhammad and uh, we actually spoke for probably another hour after the interview about just about life, you know, really cool guy. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Um, I hope it gives you a bit of time to reflect and, and appreciate uh, our ability to get parts when we need them because uh, and also like our rules and and things like that. So it's always interesting to hear these different regulations in different countries, and, and that's what I love doing this podcast for. And uh, I thought this was a great chat, so I hope you enjoy it. Mohammed, thanks for joining us all the way from Muscat, Oman. Um, great to have you on the podcast. How are you today? I'm all right. How are you, Michael? Yeah, good. Thank you very much. Yeah. So, uh, so for our listeners, um, you're in the Middle East, so you're just beside Saudi Arabia? Yes, beside Saudi Arabia. Next to Dubai, next to Iran, it's in the heated area, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah nice and uh, political hot spot. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, cool. So, so we're going to get to know a bit about uh, you and the area, but uh, let's wind it back to to when you were a young bloke and and growing up there in Oman, and and tell us a little bit about what the car scene might have been like when you were a kid, and and what your first memories are of of vehicles. See, in Oman, unlike, let's say, the neighboring countries, Oman is starting, let's say, developing after 1970s, in the 1970s. So we don't have the classic cars of the 60s or the 50s. These were only been seen in the movies, American movies, English movies, or whatever. So the cars that we have were mostly Japanese. Toyotas, then the Supras came, the Mustangs came in the late 80s, only to Oman. So my memory for with classic cars, I fell in love, let's say, in the early 90s. Uh, uh, if you remember Beverly Hills, 90210. Yeah. Yeah. The white Mustang at that time. I fell in love with it. It was in the early 90s. So when, the, when I went to the States in the mid-90s, that was the first thing I purchased. <laughs> I was looking for <laughs> So prior to 1970, there were no vehicles. It was no only cars? Land Rover before that. Land yeah. Rover for because there was uh, there were no roads at that time. So only the Defender was the only car that was uh, dependable in Oman. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. do you, do you guys do you drive right hand drive or left hand drive? Left hand. Left hand. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then and then so surrounding companies like if you're in Saudi Arabia or or somewhere they had other vehicles earlier on or not yes they did they did have the from the 50s actually late 50s saudi arabia kuwait they had the american cars from the late 50s but in oman american cars were not so famous because uh, 
the gas prices we have in Oman is a bit higher than uh, Saudi Arabia and Kuwait. Right now, mm. it's all the same. It all uh, depends on the international market. But before that, no. Yeah. So your let's say, for instance, your your father he couldn't go across to Saudi Arabia and buy an old car and bring it across in 1960 because there's no roads. No, my my father lived. He, the, see, our parents never lived in Oman. They came to Oman after the 1970s. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. It was uh, there was civil war in Oman. I mean, it's a it's a long story. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. lot of history. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of history. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so what would have been the first car you ever drove? First car I ever drove was a BMW, nineteen eighty nine, seven thirty. Nice. And did you yeah. did you buy that? Was that your car? No, no, no. It was uh, the house. It was my father's car. So um, I got my license in 1994. So that was the first car I used. But when I went to, uh, but after, a year after that, I went to the States. And then the first car I got in the States was a Mazda. But my dream was a 66 Mustang. So, so you traveled over to the US to go to university? Yes. Yes. I went to uh, California State University in Long Beach, California. Yep. Yeah. So I stayed there from uh, 95 to 2000. I came back to Oman. Yeah, cool. And did you speak English before you went over there? Yeah, I spoke English. I did. Yeah. We do learn English here and uh, from the early years. Yeah. So uh, it wasn't an issue. Maybe uh, the accent was a bit challenging, but other than that, it, everything was fine. Mm. Yeah. yeah. We learn Indian English. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I know Indian English very well. Anytime yeah. you you ring up to get you know, <laughs> the phone companies, you get Indian English. And, yes. Um, anyway, that's another story altogether. <laughs> but um, <laughs> what what uh what were you studying at university? I studied um, telecom engineering. Um, basically, it's under electrical engineering, so it was the same. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, cool. And so, so five years in California. So, how long did it take you to go from a Mazda to a nineteen sixty six Mustang? Ah, uh, um, I got them. Um, of course, I didn't have the money. I needed the supporter. The supporter was back home, so I need two years to convince them. It took me till nineteen ninety seven. I got. Uh, it wasn't a beat up Mustang, but something within my budget. I think it was around. Uh, Four thousand dollars at that time, hmm. and uh, surprisingly, the prices didn't go up much from back then to now. I mean, unlike other classic cars, which are became really famous. Yeah. So your Mustang is it a squareback? Is it rather than a fastback? Yeah, yeah. It's a coupe. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's really amazing. I find it amazing with certain vehicles where literally just that little one difference. That's like a twenty thousand dollar difference. Exactly. In value for that exactly. Yeah. 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 And at that yeah. time, I remember the the fastback wasn't that famous, and the prices were almost the same. And many things. I mean, if you think, <laughs> if you go back to the nineties, many things were so cheap. The VW bus, mm. for example, the twenty one, twenty one mm. windows. It was so cheap. Um, many many cars. I mean, you, you, if you if you go back, you think you think, think about it. You lost. You lost many opportunities to make so much money. Yeah, if you could turn back time, there's a lot exactly. of things you do. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. So, and so you've you've got that Mustang now. So you, yeah. you brought it back to Oman. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And, yeah. and how difficult was that at the time? Shipping it was not difficult. See, the challenging part here is the weather. I mean, the cars are steel and. Uh, in the summer, we have around 50 degrees Celsius, 55. Wow. So these cars can't stand the heat. If you, I mean, uh, in the summer from, from April to September, we basically can't drive the cars. We just drive them for a very short drive, five minutes drive, and that's it. That's the, that's the most challenging. And the other challenging part is uh, to find professionals Let's say to maintain these cars, or you are finding the parts basically. 
right now in the past let's say 10 years it became much easier with the internet and you can order everything online but before that it, it wasn't that easy so these are the challenges yeah yeah you couldn't just go down to the local no, no. store and get a no. get a carby or something no yeah. and so the the reason they don't like the heat obviously is just they literally overheat and you can't drive them for very long yeah 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 you cannot yeah mm. they overheat very easily <laughs> you know i i have the opposite problem here in the winter we have to put antifreeze so the radiator doesn't freeze yeah yeah i thought you're <laughs> calling me from australia michael yeah 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 we have but we have snow you do okay. I, I didn't know yeah. that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, wait. Australia has a very similar climate, I suppose, to America. Whereas you can be, uh, you know, like in Arizona, even in the winter, it's warm. Yeah. And then you go to Colorado, and there's snow on the mountains, and it's it's kind of similar here in Australia. Like uh, it's winter here now, so yeah, where I live, it, it, yeah, it can be below zero, but. If you go up to the Northern Territory in Darwin, it's probably 30 degrees Celsius today. So it's such a broad difference as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you've got a 66 Mustang. What, what's that like driving that round? You know, man, like there must, there mustn't be all that many of that style of vehicle on the road. No, I mean, when I got that, I was the first people to have a classic car or think about the classic car. So it was a head turner at that time. Let's mm. say when I came back in the early 2000 but now uh, classic cars became a thing within the region itself i mean even if you go search on the internet and you see um there are a lot of collectors around all over the region within mm -hmm. the gulf countries i mean classic cars are uh, getting uh, much attention unlike before there are a lot of clubs a lot of gatherings so um, and experience are being um uh, uh, people are exchanging uh, information about these cars, so things changed. Mm. Yeah, and and so are there car clubs? Like, would you get together with a group of other people yes, and drive yes, your yes. Mustang? Yeah, yeah. It's not drives like like just uh, especially in the summer you don't drive them around. You just go and park them, and have some nice pictures. <laughs> yeah, I mean yeah. especially with the uh, classic cars with. Um, um, stock engines that's not much drivable as uh, if you have the swap engine cars it's it's a, it's a different story yeah so yeah. what would what would you do in summer for transport like what is what is the way around that problem you have to use the new cars <laughs> yeah okay yeah 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 yeah, yeah. and they yeah. they can definitely handle yeah, of course. Degrees yeah, yeah, yeah 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 mm. So being an air conditioning mechanic would be a good job over there. Of course. <laughs> yeah. We have all the offers in the winter for the air condition and you have you find the prices just go double in the in the summer to make money. Mm. Yeah. 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 So the first thing you do when you, you get your Mustang is throw the heater out the window. <laughs> yes. <laughs> cool. All right. So so the reason I I found you is I, I saw you on Instagram and, and you've got a 1959 Chevy Stepside Apache truck. Yes. Yes. Where, where and how did you end up getting that? Um, I have uh, one of my cousins, he's studying in Kansas. Um, uh, in the past, let's say almost 10 years, I started following these shows, uh, Gas Monkey, um, uh, Kindling customs, all these shows. So, trucks just it it uh, it makes you love trucks. It gives you that yeah. uh, if you know what I mean. I have I have a truck myself, a newer truck, but uh, you wanted a classic truck uh, that is that adds something. So I started looking for trucks. The prices were still high. I mean, uh, apparently when I started looking in the nineteen in twenty seventeen. The prices just went up suddenly, but uh, I found this truck, which was a good price, a good bargain, and uh, we got it. It was through Facebook Market at that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I spent a couple of weeks in Kansas not long ago, so it's it's quite a dry climate, so that they're not too rusty. 
those trucks. It is, but there was uh, I found a bit of rust in the car. It's it's normal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was very clean from the outside, but when you strip it out, uh, there are a lot of uh, surprises. Mm, yeah, that's that's often the case, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. So, so you, your cousin, uh, well, he went and had a look at it for you, and then and then you bought it, or did you fly over? How did you do that? No, no, because he's he's there. It's much easier for me that he goes and check out the truck. He took videos of the truck all around, as much as he can. It's different when you're there in person, but you have to take the chance. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so from that, you you bought it and organized for some shipping and and had it sent home. It took it took it took a while because at that time, if you remember, in 2017, the summer, there was uh, the Houston uh, um, storm at that time. So the car was shipped from Kansas to Houston and it laid in Houston for another two months. Mm. Due to the storm, I received it in November 2017. So it took basically six months from purchase yeah, to that. delivery. Yeah. That must have been frustrating. Yeah, for yeah, it. yeah, yeah. And so, so looking at the photos of it when you bought it, I I watched the video your cousin um, must have shot on your Instagram, and you know it does. It looks like a nice clean truck. It's it's matte black. It's got some nice sort of um, polished wheels on it. Um, once you got it home and and had a good look, what did you discover? Okay, um, my plan initially was to restore the car. That was the plan. I wanted just to restore it back to original. When I got the car, I drove it a bit. Um, I wanted to be a driver. Unlike the Mustang, I wanted to drive it even within in the summer. I wanted to have it as a daily use as much as possible. So the plan changed from restoration to rest mode. And now that's another challenge. <clears throat> another homework to be done. I thought it was just straighten, swap the engine, and everything would be fine. Um, of course, uh, we have some regulations within the within the country. Um, matte co matte colors are not uh, allowed, and I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> really? So yes. You, so, so you have to have a gloss gloss paint, not a yeah, yeah, paint. yeah. Matte is not. Um, so you Wow, so it could be it could be black, but not matte black. Not matte black, exactly. Wow, that's interesting. Exactly, that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and you, so you didn't know that when you bought the truck? No, I knew that. I oh. knew that from the beginning. So I knew that I had to do some paint job. But mm. when I started doing the paint job, another surprises came, um, uh, rust here and there. And the the previous job was not done properly again. Um, I purchased an engine. Uh, again, this is another challenge we have here in the region. Um, you know, manufacturers of the engines are not here. Um, I don't know in Australia. Uh, so we have to find a used engine in the end. I don't our car um, to find our used engine, and it should be working. You just take your chances and s swap it accordingly. And yeah. shipping the engine from the States. To here, it's like shipping a car. <laughs> it will cost you then the same, due to the weight. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what what engine did you end up like an LS or something like that? Yeah, it was it was an LS one. Yeah, yeah. But the um, first one, uh, the first try failed. The I mean, I put even I posted the picture. The engine was broken. It didn't work. And tell you the truth, uh, the first try took me around two years or less than two years. I did many things wrong. <laughs> It was the paint was done wrong. I should have uh, stripped the car apart. I should have, I mean, put the frame aside, worked on the frame by itself, worked on the body by itself. Uh, things was were not done this way. So this time I bought a car as a donor car to make it much easier. And I'm still working on stripping the car. So hopefully, due to the lockdown, right now we have a lockdown. Um, mm. things went slow, but hopefully within this week, uh, I'll post some progress. Yeah, that's cool. So, yeah. so you bought an LS one, imported it from America. Did that have a transmission on it? No, no. The LS one was here from, uh, it was here. It was used, used car. 
Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's then, the thing. And then it, Sorry. Uh, when you said yeah. tab transmission, that's the thing. When I say I, I wanted to use the stock transmission, the truck had a four-speed. Of course, I don't think it was the original uh, transmission. It has a four-speed transmission. So I thought it might work. LS1 mm -hmm. with the older uh, four-speed, I think it was a 700R, I believe. So uh, things didn't go well, anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what donor car have you bought to use? I got that 2004 uh, Lumina SS. A Lumina. In, Lumina. In the states, they call it, I think, Pontiac GTO. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Oh, uh, which? Yeah, okay. So that that's probably a Holden Commodore then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You call, yeah, exactly. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's where we get a Lowry engine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It is uh, a 2004, but it is in a very good shape, low mileage. So that's the initial donor will be for the engine and transmission. Mm -hmm. And then um, I'm trying to find, I'm trying to uh, save as much. So um, I'm trying to find a used parts from old trucks, not very old trucks. Let's say the 2008, 2010 trucks for the ACs and uh, same I have a plan also for the suspension I mean you can't have them on the stock suspension with the stronger engine <laughs> I thought that no, was that's yeah, yeah yeah so th this has been a really big learning curve for you exactly yeah yeah, yeah. I, it, I think it, everyone go I, everyone has the same problem it, it was a hard lesson you lose money, but in the end, it's something that's worth it if you really want to do it. But uh, you need to take your time with it. Yeah. I, I guess for us in Australia or, or anyone, I mean, we've all got the internet so we can watch shows and Google things, but it, it is really nice where you can go to a car show, you can meet someone else who's done a similar thing and, and you can trade notes and they can help you out with parts. And, and that would be the challenging part for you because you – you're not going to go down to Cars and Coffee and see another guy with a 59 Chevy Apache, are you? No, no. It's, 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 it's yeah. not that easy. It yeah. was only um, YouTube was a good lesson. <laughs> and uh, again, uh, it's the car shows. I mean, the car shows, I learned a lot from the car shows. Of course, they make it sound much easier than reality. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You see a car finishes in three weeks, and I don't know how the hell they do it. <laughs> I don't think they do. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so what is what's your plan for the suspension? Uh, you, you're getting a, a rear diff and, and stuff out of a, a newer truck. Is that the plan? Um, I'm tr I'm trying to find um, a, a Fox body Mustang for the differential part, for the rear end part, and for the front part, uh, mostly a Camaro. Something after the two thousand, if it's if it's possible to adjust it there, and uh, we'll see with the coil springs and uh, shocks what we can do. And you'll leave the leaf springs in the in the rear. Uh, th that's the plan. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And so you you've got it at the moment. It's painted white. Is that the plan to probably? What do you think? You're just going to strip it back to bare metal, get everything yes. right, and then paint it again. And then and. Uh, this is the thing. Uh, many people didn't. I mean, I got many feedback. The white is not nice. Black is much nicer. But uh, maybe the white would be nicer when when you see the finish, photo finish, because I've seen a lot of cars with, with white, especially with trucks. It's different. It gives you a different feeling. You know, I you want to keep the classic part of the car, and but you want to have it also a drivable car. So the white maybe gives you that uh, classic. Uh, I I really love, I really love the white trucks, and then you have the grill and the light surrounds and and everything just in black. I think it looks really nice instead of chrome. Okay. Yeah, that's what I've seen a bit. But um, I guess you you are you allowed to do your bumper bar matte black or nothing? I think I think the bumper will pass because it's a classic car. I think I can pass it. <laughs> I can pass. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the regulations. I don't know um, the regulations we have, especially with uh, with cars with uh, Oman. It's it's very strict, even with the four wheel drives, even 
with especially with jeeps i mean you cannot have uh, a lift kit everything has to be stock that's the regulation wow. we have yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah so that was challenging and for a build like what you're doing so i watch the same shows you watch in you know from america and and they just do whatever they want there's no rules yes and over here in australia it's very strict so we we have to have a like a an engineer who who we do all our design with so if you want to change the chassis or anything like that you have to talk to an engineer he has to sh- make sure it's all structurally strong enough very regulated is that a similar situation for you actually it's much harder in Oman you cannot change the sa- chassis at all at all once okay. the chassis is damaged I mean, the car cannot be registered. And once you alter anything in the chassis, the car cannot be registered. But in my case, it has to be altered. There has to be some cuttings. So I, tr- I will try to cover it as much as possible. <laughs> so you yeah, try and sneak in. <laughs> yeah, this is the only way because you cannot really um, uh, upgrade your truck without doing the work on the chassis, without doing but some you- cutting. Yeah, but what what you're saying though is that you you couldn't put a four link airbag with a notch and do all that stuff. There's just zero way. No zero way. Yes. Yeah. Unless you can cover it very well. I mean, I don't know how I'm gonna cover it, but I have to take my chances. Yeah. So putting a Camaro a Camaro front suspension in there is effectively not correct. Yes. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. It's funny, isn't it? Because it's safer. Yes, it is. It is. Yeah. But they don't see it this way because it wasn't done by the factory itself. That's the, the regulations. Yeah. That, yeah. That's their part of safety. Yeah. And and is it to register? So when you do you register a car, do you pay like a yearly registration fee? Yes, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And is that different for an old classic car or, or how does that work? No, it's the same. It all depends on. Um, the engine size but it, it doesn't affect uh, how old is the car basically if the car is over 30 years it has to go through a yearly an annual um, um a check and that's it mm. yeah okay cool uh whereabouts in kansas did you get this truck it's in wichita wichita wichita, yeah, okay. wichita kansas yeah cool. yeah yeah nice well so what's what's the situation right now? It's it's being stripped back to start again. Is that where you're at? See uh, the situation basically. As the last picture I posted, it was I didn't take the body out of the frame yet. Again, due to the lockdown that we have, and I put the car in my one of my friends' um, our uh, shop. So um, I have a limitation hours, so I couldn't do anything. So, but by this week, hopefully. Things will progress. And uh, the parts, the most important thing is the parts. Once I, I receive something, um, some parts, I can at least start the work on the chassis. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's slow and hard. So, so what are the limitations for you guys at the moment? What are your restrictions? The restrictions, um, okay, uh, legally, we cannot do uh, any alteration on any car. The car has to be stock as it came from the factory. But since this is an older truck, I might have some way. But again, I'm taking my chances. So I'm crossing. I'm, I'm going to do the work. I won't wait to take the accept. I mean, uh, the what do you call it? Uh, the green light from the officials now. I'll just go ahead, do the work, finish my truck, and then take it for uh, registration. Do these ones cross your fingers yes exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah well that's um it, it's kind of a gamble isn't it but i mean if you if you end up with like a nice painted clean product that looks relatively stock then that's what you think it'll just be it shouldn't be a problem yes yes mm. yeah cool yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and and so what what i was asking about the restrictions was more covid based but it's ah, okay. 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 Yeah, to hear both sides. But what what are your COVID restrictions over there at the moment? 
COVID restrictions, we have a lockdown from 5 to 6 a.m. 5 p.m. to 6 a.m. And uh, most of the people don't go to work. It's only work from home base. So uh, situation is very hard. Um, um, the pandemic is spreading. The percentage is high. And so things uh, doesn't look uh, promising till we get the, the vaccine. Mm. So this is affecting all the business, the car business, um, all the business. I don't know the situation in Australia, but uh, when I see the States and uh, my friends in the States, things are very fine in the States. People are living their lives, although the situation there is much uh, harder. Uh, with us, no. <laughs> yeah, we 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 had it when it first came in. We had it fairly. It, it, it just started spreading, and then we locked everything down and contained it pretty well. Okay. And most most of the states, because we've got seven states in Australia, so most of the states were very low level, uh, to the point where it was mainly just returning passengers that were that were bringing it in and then they they were going into like a hotel isolation and what happened with us was we're down in victoria so we're down the bottom of australia and we had uh basically a new breakout our second wave which started from returned passengers not quarantining properly and it's it's spread basically all around melbourne which is the the capital of victoria um, so currently in Melbourne, they're in a six-week uh, full lockdown, similar to what you're doing now. Mm-hmm. And the the regional area, so I'm in a regional area. I'm at what they're calling stage three. So, you know, we're, we're, we are restricted, but I can still come and go to work and that sort of thing. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's not bad in Australia, but the potential for it, you know, you, if you just let your guard down, I suppose it, it wouldn't take much to go bad again. Yeah, I mean, well, that's the same thing. It's basically waves. The first wave finished. Mm-hmm. Right now, we start the second wave. The second wave is much, much harder. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, I'm talking about 50% of the people tested are positive. So that's wow. high. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And is, is, is Oman quite densely populated as a as a country or is yeah. it a countryside and city Oman yeah. is a bit this is the size of California yeah a bit a bit larger and we have only four mil, five million yeah population so it's not mm. dense mm. but again it's it's basically the you cannot control people I mean the government will put restrictions but if the people want to meet if the people want to socialize they will do it so this is the big challenge. You have some people like myself, my family, we just stay home. We don't go out, but others do. I think it's everywhere. It's the same everywhere. I mean, those people spread it. Yeah. Yeah. So what would happen if you were, you know, after 5 p.m., if you were out and about, what would happen? Would the, the police would come along and lock you up? How does it, what's happening out there? I think there's a big fine of yeah. around uh, $3,000. There's a fine. The first time there is a $3,000 fine. The second time there's a lockdown of, I think, one month or so. Yeah. Mm. It depends on the situation. If you're going there intentionally with no good reason, then that, that's a, that's the way. Yeah. And the, the borders between other countries, they're just locked down, are they? Or um, See, other countries are opening up. It's due to business. I mean, uh, countries are opening up. Even Europe, they're opening up because they want business to go on. But with our situation, uh, the, we have this. We have similar. We have states, but smaller states in Oman, and uh, the borders between the states are locked. So each state is uh, is locked down by on itself. But by tomorrow, the lockdown, uh, the what call it, the lockdown will uh, finish. Will finish. Yes, supposedly. Yeah. 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 Okay. Cool. No good. All right. Well, um, what what do you have other friends that have classic cars? Like do you guys, you know, you've you've had your Mustang now for 
quite a long time and you know you've probably got a bunch of friends who who do so do you if you're if you're having a weekend let's just say after covid finishes mm-hmm. if you're going to have a weekend working on your truck is is there a group of mates that will come over and and you'll all work together on it um yeah but most of my friends not into american cars they're mostly into the japanese the z of uh, 1977 and they call it i think the fair lady this is the most popular uh, car right now and what's uh, again it's it's a different uh, people into different classic cars not most not many people into uh, cl- um, old trucks or classic trucks mm-hmm. they're mostly into sport cars yeah. old sport car so basically let's say on the weekend when i go to the shop i have uh, my friends who are uh, who are mechanics they come there and they help but not uh, classic car fans or classic car uh, collectors. So you're you're ahead of your time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, if you think about, let's go back to uh, 2017. You saw that you saw the truck on Facebook Marketplace. If you could turn back time, would you still buy it right now? Yes, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Mm. I mean, uh, the it wasn't uh, buying or not buying the car. The, what um, what really sometimes frustrates you as uh, when you build a car, it's the way you do it, or how you do it right. I mean, I hope that I had um, professionals. You can ask here. It's what things would been much easier. Mm. I mean, uh, it you do everything yourself. Yeah, and, and so with most cars not being over 30 years old, I suppose, that there, there wouldn't be a lot of restoration businesses there, would there? Yeah, yeah of course. I mean, yeah. uh, the restoration basically were... Again, um, the, the when you think about swapping engines here, they don't do anything within with the suspension itself. They keep everything stock. So I don't know how safe is that. I didn't know that only after I did the, the first the, after the first try. So, for instance, when you got your truck painted, so where would you get that painted, or did you guys do that yourself? Is there, you know, are there shops that will paint cars for you, or? Yeah, we have, of course. Painting it has to be through a professional shop, but again, the the work wasn't professional. Mm. It was done like uh, you're doing it to a new car or a car that's ten years old. No, no, with classic cars. Um, I know it the hard way. You have to strip the car in each and every piece by itself and paint everything in order to get a job done perfectly. Mm. So that, that's probably the one takeaway. If, if you could turn back time to to starting the vehicle again, would just be strip it to the bare bones, just do everything, and, and in the long run, that probably would yeah. have been a lot easier for you. Yeah. See, the funny yeah. part with myself, I mean, I had the Mustang and then... Uh, for a whole 10 years, the Mustang didn't move. And I have issues with the engine, issues. So after 10 years, I started rebuilding the Mustang. Before I finished the Mustang, let's say, uh, by a few months, I started already thinking about a new project. I cannot just stay like that. With the truck, right now, once I started the work, I got the donor car. I'm ordering the parts. I'm already start, I'm already thinking ahead. Of another project. <laughs> so, so it's the journey more than the actual. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And especially with the COVID situation, although you're in lockdown, it just makes you think. Okay, I want to finish the car, but I cannot. After I finish the car, then what? You have to do something. And I'm looking at right now into VW bus. Mohammed. Your truck's not going to be finished anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, my plan to finish it by end of the year. I don't know if it's possible yeah. or not. Um, again, I'm being very uh, optimistic. <laughs> I think I think you're going to have to go down to your friend's workshop at 4.30 in the afternoon and stay all night and then come back. Yeah. <laughs> um. See uh, again, I told you when I when you see the the American shows, they make it so easy. I mean, 
especially with trucks. Trucks are the easiest things to 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 swap the engine with, to fix it, to paint it, to change it, unlike the other cars. So I hope this time is going to work. Uh, I'm crossing yeah. the fingers oh, look, again. I, I hope so too. But uh, <laughs> you can see that that cab there yeah. behind me. Uh, I've, that's two years now, and um, it still needs a lot of work. So yeah, it's it's a no, process. I, yeah. So you you get you get a split split screen Volkswagen bus. Is that the plan? Uh, no, um, uh, the split screen, I think they're very expensive. You're talking mm. about the 21 windows. Those are very, very expensive. I mean, you've seen a stock, not a stock one, let's say one in a, a good shape, not an excellent shape. You're talking about $70,000 to $75,000. I'm talking about the 1970s. It yep. was, uh, those are much cheaper. Around, around six to $8,000. I'm looking at these bus. That's not what's on the wall behind you, though. No, no, not that one. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I mean, you, you, you're going to be quite experienced in restoration by that stage, so you could probably do one. Uh, <laughs> see, well, with the VW is different. With the VW, I think, I think again, I don't know. You, you won't know that till you get the car itself. I think it's it has much simpler engine, much simpler. Uh, uh, things to do. I mean, it's an air-cooled engine. Um, that's a different project once you get it. But let me finish with the truck. I think my wife had, <laughs> if she knew that my plan, she'd kick me out of the house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I think that every every person listening to this podcast could say the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's cool. So, and... And and what about like you know so we, with your truck wheels and tires are you planning on running the wheels that was on it or do you do you have something I'm, in mind? Yeah, I'm looking at the Detroit Detroit steel wheels. Yep. Uh, yeah, I've seen many options, but again, the issues we have, you know, from the states to Oman is the shipping. Mm. The shipping costs the same as price as the wheels itself. So this is the yeah. challenging. Yeah. You you almost need to make a complete shopping list of every part that you possibly need. Have your your cousin or someone in in America put it all in one container and then send it over in one hit, don't you? Yeah. See, th this is uh, I forgot to mention this. This is one of my biggest mistake when I purchased uh, the Apache. My plan was to go restoration, so all the parts I ordered with the car was, I mean, the accessories and everything was. Even the wheels, I, I purchased a 15-inch wheels with six bolts mm. to go for a restoration. So mm. all that just went like that. I just uh, spent the money on nothing, basically, especially when I want to go and upgrade everything, change the drum to disc, so I have to go to five bolts. Um, so I think, uh, especially if, um, for everyone who's purchasing a classic car, if it's overseas, you have to know. You have to know what you have to plan ahead. What do you want to do? Do you want to go stock or do you want to upgrade? And this way, you can save money. Yeah. Yeah, and that's often the problem, isn't it? That you you purchase it and then once you've got it, you research and you research and you research and you and it changes what you think you're going to do. And and everyone we talk to on the podcast is the same. You know, they they start off they were just going to do a, a small change and then it just turns into this monster yes 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 it's a never-ending thing yeah especially with i think i mean uh, um if you know if, if you if you have a classic car even if you finish the car even if you finish the job it's a never-ending project there is always something to do yeah yeah that's true it's um... i mean right now it's ls1 maybe in the year to come you'll go to ls3 who knows yeah and and engine swap, so you're saying that you're not allowed to change the chassis, you're not allowed to change your suspension at all, you know, it's got to stay stock. But you are you allowed to do an engine swap? Uh, okay, uh, engines, okay, I'll give you the regulation itself, and then I'll tell you the situation. The regulation yeah. here, we have that you can do an engine swap as long as it's the same size engine. Mm. 
let's say if it's 5.7 so you have to stay below 6.0 but in my case because again we don't have an old cars 50s car and even the, the, the regulations so they don't have it within their uh, system so I can just mention it's 5.7 it's a newer engine the old engine broke down uh, it was 5.7 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a, that's an advantage to not having those cars, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. No, that's cool. That's really good. What What about when you were in America uh, and you you got your Mustang? Did you Did you start going to a bunch of car shows and things over there? Did you go to Good Guys or any of that sort of stuff? Uh, tell you the truth, I didn't. It was no. just. I mean, I never thought that there were clubs at that time. I don't know if there were. But maybe there was, I was just enjoying the car itself. It was a different experience. I mean, uh, at that time, the car was very reliable. And when I was in the States, uh, when I came back home, it turned out, no, maybe to, due to the weather. I mean, I cannot drive it for a very long drives as before. I used to drive it uh, previously for hundreds of miles between states. When I got it back in the two after two thousand, things are not different. It's, it's basically it's a weekend driver. That's it. Yeah. Occasional drive. Yeah. And I thought, to tell you the truth, I thought of even swapping the Mustang. Um, I'm still hesitant. Should I keep it stock? Should I go upgraded? This is something. It's it's challenging. Yeah. Is is the Mustang a, a six or an eight cylinder? It's eight cylinder. It's a two eighty nine yeah. engine. Yeah. Yeah, that's a four point seven liters. Four point seven. So yeah, could you sneak a five three in it? I'm not sure. Probably not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. It's funny, like you know, every time we talk to someone in a different country, there's different regulations, obviously, and um, and some of them are, you know, New Zealand, uh, the engineering laws over there were even even harder than what we deal with here, and um, and you you know, obviously there in Oh man, it's quite different because you you don't even have a history with the old cars. It's it's such a new thing. So no, it's been really interesting to hear how different it is over there. And and I I hope that it works out and that, that you can get all the parts you need and and that you don't get stopped at the end when you try and get this thing registered. I hope so. I'm crossing my yeah. fingers again. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, um. So, so you still have contacts in America for parts? No, for the parts, basically, it's just online. I'm just uh, yeah. shopping online for the parts. So that's mm -hmm. the only way. And uh, see, one of the things that are challenging, I don't know if it's right or not, for people that have old ca older cars, uh, sometimes we always think about the value of the car itself. If I keep it stock, will the value go up? I mean, it's it's it's... In the end, it's something you want to enjoy, but it's an investment. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So this is the challenging part for me right now with the Mustang. Should I go swap the engine, upgrade the car? With the truck, I learned from the Mustang, I cannot drive it. I want to drive it daily. But again, having I've seen all the trucks around. The, I mean, most of the trucks are not stock. Mm. Yeah, no, I mean, they're, they're not that much fun to drive when they're stock. To be honest, are they? Yeah, yeah, of course, of course, yeah, yeah, of course. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it, it was barely driving. <laughs> it yeah, was yeah. So with something like your Mustang um, on the market there in Oman, like, is that would that be a valuable vehicle because it's rarity in the country? Would there be people there who would really love to buy that car and you'd get a good price for it? Um, the average price, yeah. It's you see, um. I'm trying to convince myself or let's say convince my wife. It's an investment. And then <laughs> I never think of it as an investment. It's something for me to keep. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. not an investment if you would never sell it, is it? Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but it's something, you see, when I tell you as investment, it's something to convince myself. But in reality, I don't know if. Uh, most of uh, classic car owners or all the car owners, I mean, we are, we, we are keepers. We, we don't sell. Yeah, we're not, yeah. we're not doing it for the money. 
No, no, we don't. We spend money. I mean, you spend on these cars more than what they're actually worth, if you think of it. Hmm. Especially when you build a car. Yeah. Yeah, and you, you quite often, you know, you'd be better to go and buy a finished product and that someone else has already spent all the money on and, and do it that way. But but like you said earlier, you know, it's the journey. Like I, I'm exactly like you. The, the day that my truck is finished and I'm driving it on the road, well, it won't even be that day because I've already started another one. But, you know, you, there's always <laughs> another project. So I see too. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, always, always. Yeah. Now, there's, there's different sorts of car people. Some people just like to drive their cars. And I think that's great. And I, I kind of wish I was one of those people. It would be a lot easier. But I, every time I get in, even my daily driver, I think about what I could change to make it better. And, and it's a dangerous thought process. Yeah, see, and, and when you said about people that want to purchase something that's finished, I mean, um, there is some sensation, the fun part of it, to build something. I mean, we're spending money, we're losing time, but it's something fun. We, <laughs> it's uh, I don't have to explain it. Hmm. Yeah, but I mean, you're an engineer, so you, you have a mind where you, you think about stuff and you want to do stuff, and, and you know, yeah. I'm similar thing whereas you know i know a lot of people like all they want to do is put fuel in it and turn it on and drive to work and that's all a car is and yeah. i mean that's great i mean you don't want everyone to be the same do we mm -hmm. yes of course of course right yeah yeah awesome well Mohammed, thanks so much for sharing your story and um and what we're going to do i you know let's give it another six months and and i'll get hold of you again and we'll catch up and we'll we'll check on your progress and make <laughs> sure you've been working Hopefully. Thank you. Thanks, Michael. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I appreciate your time. Thank you very much for talking to us. Same here. Thank you. Take care. Well, that's the show for this week. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. All information shared in our episodes is general, and you should contact your engineer for advice on your build. Please remember to rate and review the podcast on iTunes and share it with friends and fellow enthusiasts on Facebook, iTunes, or the good old word of mouth. I appreciate hearing feedback, good and bad. So please feel free to shoot me an email, classicpickuppodcast at gmail.com. If you are interested in advertising on the podcast and have a relevant business, please get in touch. And finally, if you have a project you're building, it can be hard to find the time to work on it. Just spend 15 minutes a day, even if you only unbolt one panel or mount one bracket. You'll be amazed at how quickly it all adds up. The music you hear in the background of this podcast is called Hammer On Down by Uncle Bonehead. Until next week, enjoy the ride.